That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Boy, is there a pile of news today. Wow. Ron DeSantis may be going down in Florida. Some interesting theories about what's going on with, not so much what's going on with with the governor of New York, uh, Mario Cuomo. Everybody realizes he's a bully, but how this might play out to the advantage of Donald Trump. Well, we just have a pile of stuff here. But I want to start out. Anthony Fauci, Donald Trump, and Greg Abbott. Anthony Fauci just came out, this was uh, yesterday, and and said that we have 524,000 dead Americans now, more than any other country in the world. We've got more COVID cases than any country in the world. We've got more dead Americans than any other country in the world. And Anthony Fauci came out and said, you know, don't lift your mask mandates until we achieve herd immunity which is going to be like, you know, 70, 75, 80% of the population vaccinated. And with this new variant coming along, it's 50% more contagious. Keep in mind, measles is hugely more contagious than COVID or the flu or anything else. It's one of the most contagious diseases out there. You have to have 96 to 97% immunization in a community to achieve herd immunity with measles, which is why they're so hysterical about the measles vaccine. Using the old variant, the assumption was 70 to 75% vaccination and you will have herd immunity and you know the country can go back to normal. But with these new variants that keep mutating in these places, I mean, there's a new variant out of Louisiana. There's a new variant out of Brazil. There's, there's a, you know, of course, the British variant that's floating around. And some of them are, I mean, you know, the, the B117, the British variant, which is the fastest growing one in the United States, by the middle of this month, it'll be probably more than half of all cases. It's 50% more contagious than the old original COVID virus. So Fauci is like, you're nuts. And he said, you can't be turning restrictions on and off. That was his phrase. We have to keep America as safe as we can from this virus by not letting up on any of the public health measures. And then you get, you know, Greg Abbott down in Texas and Tate Reeves, the the governor of Mississippi, 
going, hey, you know, we're open. We're back to normal. It doesn't matter. Go out there and get yourself infected. In fact, Tate Reeves on CNN State of the Union over the weekend said, our objective in Mississippi has never been to rid ourselves of the virus. Our goal is to make sure we protect the integrity of our healthcare system. In other words, let's just let people continue dying. Let's not just let's just hold it down to a rate where it doesn't overwhelm our ICUs and ERs. I mean, think about this. I really want to put this in a larger frame and ask you the question, why is it happening like this that there's no accountability for this? Normally, when something happens that kills a half a million people in one country, something that was preventable. Normally when that happens, somebody is held accountable. Taiwan has a population of 24 million people. In the 14 months since this began, 10 people have died in Taiwan. In Vietnam, they got a population of 97 million. 35 people have died in Vietnam. In Thailand, with a population of 70 million, 85 people have died. In Australia, with 25 million people, 909 people have died. In South Korea, with a population of 51 million people, 1,600 people have died. And in Canada, with 38 million people, 22,000 people have died. If you add all those numbers together, you get a little over 24,000 people, 24,663 people. We have lost 530,000. We have lost a half a million. And by the way, if you add the population of all those countries together, it's pretty much the same as America. So what's the difference between this collection of countries that I just named that have seen a total of 24,000 deaths, almost 25,000 deaths in a year and a half versus America that has seen 530,000 deaths? The difference is that every one of those countries that I named had a nationwide mask mandate had a nationwide ban on getting together in indoor settings, you know, large numbers of people. In other words, they took basic public health steps. They didn't do anything magic. Now, most of those countries are in Asia. And the reason why the Asian countries did so much better than the European countries, for example, is because they had SARS back a decade and a half ago. And it hit them really hard. It killed a bunch of people. And they learned how to deal with a pandemic. But this wasn't rocket science. The Obama administration left behind a manual. It literally was called the the pandemic playbook that the Trump administration literally threw away. The Obama administration set up two offices, one in in the director of national security's office and one in the Department of Homeland Security to deal specifically with pandemics. And the Trump administration in their first year shut them both down fired all the people, disposed of all the documents. So why aren't we holding anybody accountable? I mean, here in America, Donald Trump knew this virus was deadly. He told Bob Woodward in January of last year, 14 months ago, he told Bob Woodward, this is deadly. This is five times more deadly than the flu. This is a nasty virus. This is deadly stuff. Those are all phrases that Donald Trump used when he was talking to Bob Woodward back in January, 14 months ago, January. He knew. But what did he say to the 70 million followers he has and to all the rest of us? He used these exact phrases. It's just like the flu. There's nothing to fear. It's no big deal. It will miraculously disappear. 
And because of his lies, we now have a half million plus dead Americans. One in every 670 Americans has died of the coronavirus. More Americans have died from the virus that Trump let rage through America. Hell, he encouraged it to rage through America than from every war we have fought in since 1900. I mean, virtually all of these deaths, sure, I mean, somebody on Twitter said, well, you know, once it got into America, it was inevitable people would die. Yeah, a few. Maybe we can cut Trump some slack on 10 or 20 or 30 or 50,000 deaths. Maybe even 100,000 if you want to be super generous, but a half a million? Hell no. This guy has blood on his hands. He even lied about how sick COVID made him. We know now when he went into the hospital, his uh, blood oxygen levels were hitting around 80. That's the point where you get intubated. And he lied, and he never told us, he lied by omission. He never told us that he got vaccinated. So how do we hold this guy accountable? And then Greg Abbott and the governor of Mississippi, how do we hold them accountable? This is the Tom Hartman Program. And perhaps more importantly, why aren't we holding them accountable? Why is there no discussion in the media about accountability? Why is nobody talking about this? my topic one. How do we hold Donald Trump and Greg Abbott, Tate Reeves, how do we hold them accountable? Is there criminal law that can be used? I realize that you have this issue of sovereign immunity that's going to make it really hard to go after any of them, frankly, which leads to option number two. Is there civil law that can be used against them? Can the families of people who died in this pandemic sue because of the failure of the Trump administration and of these various Republican governors, Christy Noem, another one, yeah, come on down to South Dakota. It's South Dakota, right? Maybe it's North Dakota, whichever Dakota it is that she's the governor of. Yeah, come on down. We'll have a giant rally. Half a million or more motorcyclists will come here. And then that spread the virus of over 30 or 40 states. They've done the science on this. She facilitated a massive super spreader event in the United States. How do you hold her accountable? Can they do civil lawsuits? Could those, at the very least, could those civil lawsuits then lead to discovery that causes, that lets us know exactly why Trump and why these governors did this? Was it because big industrialists said, hey, we want to get these workers back to work. We don't care what, how many of them die. We want them back to work. And, and those industrialists were big campaign donors to the GOP. Was that the reason? Or was it because Donald Trump thought that if he acknowledged the severity of the virus, he would have to really work hard in the White House, and he has never worked hard in his entire life? He wanted to play golf? Or is it that, if he thought, that he thought that if he acknowledged the virus, he would lose his reelection? I mean, exactly why are these people doing this? I get it that in Sweden... They tried this experiment, this herd immunity experiment, because they were listening to this guy. I think his name was Anders Tegan, who was this uh, right-wing economist in Sweden. 
who said, yeah, we, we can achieve herd immunity with this. Don't worry. Let's do it. And about you know four or five months into that experiment, they realized, hey, we've got the highest death rate in Europe right now, or certainly in Scandinavia. Screw that. He left in shame and humiliation, and Sweden started telling everybody to wear your damn masks. But here in the United States, we never had that light bulb moment when the science came in. Why? Meghan Markle, I, this is mind-boggling. She herself is a biracial child. She has one black parent, one white parent. She married one of Charles and Diana's sons, Harry. And she said that, you know, everything was fine. Everybody loved her. She was welcome with open arms until she got pregnant. And then the word was, oh my God, what if that baby is darker than Harry? What if he's even darker than her? But we can't name him a prince. We can't have a black person in the royal line of secession. Oh my God. And at that point she said, I just didn't want to be alive anymore. That was a clear, real, frightening, and constant thought. So is this a political issue? Well, apparently the right wing thinks so. I've told you before about this daily newsletter that I get an email. It's free. You can, you can subscribe to it, too. It's called The Writing, R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. Not, not with a W, but just R, right? As in right wing. It's thewriting.com is the, is the website. It's the top news headlines from the far right for the rest of us. And this is their, their number one, their top story. Trump has Meghan Markle's number. We've all met women. This is WayneDupree.com. We've all met women like Meghan. She's a toxic drama queen. And nobody nailed Meghan's persona better than Trump. He saw through Meghan's phony facade and nailed what a nasty, conniving woman she is. In a March 2020 appearance, Trump wished Harry good luck with his wife, saying, He's going to need it. Amen. Over at American Thinker magazine, the headline, Meghan Markle openly accused the royals of racism. And here's the uh, opening paragraph. Meghan has proven to be a classic leftist, self-centered, ruled by emotion, greedy, resentful of obligations that don't have an immediate benefit for her, race-obsessed, and whiny. The ancient British royal family made a strong public show of welcoming her, and she spat in their faces. Really? The right wing is going after Meghan Markle? Well, of course they are. Their principal, the principal appeal, and we know this now from dozens of studies, the main reason why the majority of people who voted for Trump voted for Trump was white racism. And so, hey, here's a black woman in the royal family. Let's pick on her. Let's call her names. Let's go after, I mean, it just makes perfect sense that this would be the Republican response. How do we hold these people accountable? And uh, gee, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do about Megan. Uh, it's a tough one. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity 
And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance, so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The CDC, they did a whole press release on TV about it or a uh, press availability. It was the regular COVID briefing, but it, it kind of was all about that. And that is that uh, if you have been fully vaccinated, now fully vaccinated, if it's Pfizer or Moderna, it means you've had two doses and you're two weeks past your second dose. Or if you've had the Johnson & Johnson, the J&J vaccine, you're two weeks past the only one single dose that you need. That's what qualifies you as fully vaccinated, just to define terms here. If you are fully vaccinated, then you may gather indoors with unmasked people who also have been fully vaccinated. You may also visit unvaccinated people without masks, so long as those people are not at high risk of COVID. Now, there's still a possibility the one thing we know is that having this vaccine pretty much eliminates the odds that if you get COVID, you will die from it or even get really, really sick. But a small percentage of people who get these vaccines still get COVID. It's just a very weak form of it. It may even be asymptomatic. And so it's possible that even though you're fully vaccinated, you may be contagious. So continue to be careful they say fully vaccinated people who come into contact with someone who has COVID-19 don't need to take a test and don't need to quarantine unless you show symptoms, unless you live in a congregate setting like a nursing home or a correctional facility, something like that. In other words, unless you're around a bunch of vulnerable people. So we now have 59 million Americans who've gotten one dose. That's 23% of the adult population. Within a couple of weeks, we'll be at you know 59 million people who've had two doses. And this is, this is good news. This is good stuff. John in Los Angeles. Hey, John, what's on your mind? Federal government has broad authority to quarantine and improve other health measures to prevent the spread of diseases from foreign as well as between states, domestic. So FDR signed this into the public. It's called the Public Health Services Act, July 1st, 1944. I don't have the code right, right offhand. Uh, U.S. 18 code 
1510. That might be the obstruction of justice thing. But anyway, it's a law that Biden can use as well. It supersedes state law. So why should we have to be responsible for two prepubescent governors in Texas and Arizona that want to kill people? And oh, the other Texas thing, and Mississippi. Richard Burr, Richard Burr biodefense, yeah. had a lot of covoid stock. Ka-ching, ka-ching. Yeah. So... Uh, so, John, uh, you are correctly pointing out that there is a federal law on the books and has been since the 40s. And, I, and in fact, I think there might even be one earlier than that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, you know, certainly Roosevelt or excuse me, Woodrow Wilson did not invoke it during the flu pandemic. So maybe it only went on the books in 44. But that there is a federal law that allows the president to, to declare a health emergency and and mandate nationwide that people engage in whatever behaviors are necessary to guarantee the safety of the public. I get that. And and uh, Biden could impose a national uh, he could impose a national lockdown. He could impose a national mask mandate. Um, he could uh, from the federal level shut down all the schools. I mean, he, he could do most of those. things. There would be challenges in court. But and, 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 you know, the constitutionality of it would ultimately be the issue that would be, you know, decided by the Supreme Court. But under the law, he could do that. But he's not choosing to do that, not because he wants to see more people die, but because he knows that what you saw in Michigan when Gretchen Whitmer imposed a mask mandate and shut down uh, bars and restaurants. And what did they do? They conspired to kidnap and kill her. And they were going to hold a trial in Wisconsin for her on television and, and execute her in public. Um, that that is a small version of what would happen, not just to him, but to, to you know, I mean, it would, it, would, it, would, it would triple energize this well-armed right-wing crazy movement. And so what he's doing instead is he's trying to say, hey, this is the right thing to do. And he's got Fauci out there talking about it and other scientists. And he's letting the news networks carry this. And, and he's leaving it up to the individual states, which I think is probably the right thing to do. The problem is you've got, I think we've got now six states that have basically dropped all restrictions. And, and you know, the two most recent were Texas and Mississippi. And, and Greg Abbott and Tate Reeves are, are taking actions that are going to cause thousands of people, thousands of Texans and thousands of Mississippians to die. I mean, it's just that simple. Probably tens of thousands of Texans, given how much larger that state is than Mississippi. And I don't see any accountability. I, I, I'm convinced that it's sovereign immunity that prevents it. But John, thank you for pointing out and quoting that law for us. And thanks for listening to KPFK. Paul in Benton, Pennsylvania. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind today? Yeah, hi, Tom. Uh, you know, it's really hard to hold people accountable when the Republicans won't even let Biden install his attorney general. And, you know, the Republicans That's have a good this point. thing, you know, about freedom. And their idea of freedom is freedom from responsibility, freedom from accountability, freedom from liability. It's just like with the, remember, during the, uh, the recession with the banks, too big to fail, too big to jail. You know, right. that's the bottom line. I think you are on to something, Paul. And I thought it was real interesting on Friday on Rachel's show. She kind of set this whole thing up of the D.C. office of the FBI 
uh, which is, you know, under the attorney general, Bill Barr basically got rid of a whole bunch of regular prosecutors there and stacked it with Trump cronies and Bill Barr toadies. And they're the ones who tried to let off General Flynn, tried to drop all the charges against him. They're, they're the ones who wanted a, a lighter sentence for Paul Manafort. Uh, they're the ones who didn't even want to prosecute a number of other Trump cronies. And those people are still in charge and they're still running that office. And she was wondering why it is that Huffington Post is running headline stories outing People, you know, this one guy who, who was beating the police with a, with a, with a, uh, a fire extinguisher and the FBI hasn't even gone to pick him up yet. And it's like, what the hell is going on? And then she gets this guest on and the guest goes, well, they're kind of busy, but he, his beat is the FBI. So he's probably, you know, this is kind of one of those, I, I, in my opinion, this is one of those capture things where, you know, if, if you, if you're a, a reporter who covers the FBI in quotes, and that's your main beat in quotes, then the last thing you want to do is piss off the FBI because then you won't be able to get information and you won't be able to have stories anymore and you just lost your your whole claim to fame. And so she gets him on and he goes, well, I think they're just busy. I don't think they're just busy. I, I think the cover-up continues and I think that I think that this is a part of it. I think, Paul, you may well have hit the nail on the head. Thank you, Paul, for the call. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. So what says our retired intelligence officer, Dave? I retired in, in 2010 from the Army, and then I got out of all the Department of Defense intelligence work in 2012. All right, so this, this is going to be relevant here in a minute. Check this out. Um, I was uh, talking to some coworkers. They were really anti-mask, okay, very pro-Trump, and they were actually anti-vax. Now, that concerned me, right? And I was using the example of uh, bovine viral diarrhea, okay, because it we can see that that works. Right, and these are, these are livestock. All right, farmers vaccinate them to protect their investment, right? We can see that it mm-hmm. works. That that so there's this work. disease that causes diarrhea in cows that's viral, and you can prevent it with a vaccine, and so cows across America are vaccinated. Is that what you're saying? But I'll connect all this if you give me a second. Now, this mm-hmm. Trump voter uh, criticized me. He said, ah, you're a typical liberal. He goes, you don't even know that the COVID-19 is a coronavirus, is a COVID, or is a, you know, SARS, COVID-2. Well, I just started laughing. And he goes, what's so funny? I said, oh, that's just funny. I find that humorous. You know? And here's what's so funny about it, and this is why I was laughing at him. I knew about the SARS problem in 2010 when I retired from the military. And at the time, it was getting on my nerves, all these intelligence briefings, because at the time, I felt that the senior command at the Pentagon was kind of like in this rut to where they were just going to accept what I considered useless or needless, needless American casualties in Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, you kind of fall into this rut for lack of a better word, where you're like, okay, somebody was blown up uh, by an IED, somebody's daughter was blown up. Oh, well, next slide. You know, you fall into that rut. And it was getting on my nerves that they were more interested in this SARS virus in in, in China. So that was 2010, Tom. You've got to put things in perspective. I was a mid-grade analyst, okay? There's absolutely no reason, there's absolutely no way Donald Trump didn't know about this. Any thought to the contrary is ridiculous. Even no, we, we notified Israel in late November that something was going on that had to do with a contagious virus in China and that if it got into the Middle East, it could be a problem in high density areas, particularly places like Gaza, which, by the way, still hasn't been vaccinated. 
but Trump had to have known about it at the latest by December, but it had to have been in his national security briefings in late November. Yeah, well, the problem is, you know, even though I'm incredibly happy that Joe Biden is president, I'm getting even more, uh, I have even more anxiety about the United States of America because we have this completely toxic. This weekend, I was thinking about the threat Donald Trump poses to America because of the comparisons with Teddy Roosevelt and him. And I remember you're talking about toxic masculinity. You, you, You dropped a word again there. Uh, toxic conservatism, which I think includes oh, toxic okay. masculinity, okay? And, and, it. and it's, it's this rejection of anything academic. It's this rejection of anything intellectual. That is not, conservatism used to not be that way. And this comparison with Donald Trump and Teddy Roosevelt worries me because my last few years in the military, I, I noticed a lot of officers would put Roosevelt quotes on papers or at the end of their emails. Sometimes those Roosevelt quotes weren't even Teddy Roosevelt quotes. Like one, I I was thinking about Roosevelt said that um, a vote is like a rifle. Its usefulness depends on who's using it. Well, and the point oh, is, and Teddy Roosevelt it, celebrated intellectual pursuits. I mean, you know, he was a very physical guy, but he was also college educated and he celebrated intellectual pursuits. You know, Barry Goldwater and William F. Buckley, the leading conservatives in the 60s, were proud of the fact that they considered themselves intellectuals. But what does yes, this have to do with holding Trump and holding Greg Abbott accountable? Okay, in conservatism, I think, conservatism right now, Jesus was not really Jesus, Roosevelt was not really Roosevelt, and Donald Trump is not really Donald Trump. All right, I mean, uh, like, comparing Donald Trump... So they're living in a false reality. Yes, and, and, and there's no way the Kremlin or Beijing or any adversary or even ally to the United States, there's no way they can exploit that. There's absolutely no way. It's like this huge vulnerability. Apparently they are. I mean, there's this report over the weekend that you've got Russian trolls now promoting the idea that the virus, that the vaccines are dangerous. And and let me relate this back to myself so I don't sound like an elitist. Okay. Okay. I had an article pop up in my newsfeed about the Chinese army, the PRC's army, using biological techniques to modify human beings into super soldiers. I don't think that's true. I think that's a fiction. I think that message was routed to me because of my habits on the internet. So I am not immune. None of us are immune. None of us are immune. It's scary. Yeah, there you go. And all of us need to get vaccinated so that we can be at least somewhat immune to this virus. By the way, the CDC just came out with new guidelines for how to behave if you are vaccinated. Fred in Grass Valley, Oregon. Hey, Fred, what's up? Hi, Tom. I, I just want to let you know I support your call for accountability for the excessive death rate in the U.S. And I think that, that Donald Trump should be should be held accountable. I don't know why he can't be charged with crimes against humanity for what he, for his actions and how he well, maybe maybe the Hague could get involved in this. I don't think, you know, we, the, but we, you know, George W. Bush, when he was committing crimes against humanity, when he was committing war crimes, you know, torturing people and, and uh, renditioning people to black sites, innocent people to be tortured, uh, he pulled us out of the International Criminal Court. So they don't have jurisdiction over the United States any longer. Um, but I get what you're saying, Fred. It seems to me that 
you know, because of sovereign immunity, which is the doctrine that if somebody is running a government, you can't hold them responsible for things that they do in that capacity. Um, you know, and, and it assumes that people make mistakes, not that people behave with malice. But I think this was malicious. I think that, that, that Trump did this specifically to satisfy his high-end uh, donors. Um, because, I mean, if you, you look at who, who, who is, you know, opposed to, for example, the bailout bill, or it's not a bailout, the, the, uh, the COVID relief package, excuse me, it was the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. They're opposed to it, right? They, you know, they, they want people to get back to work, force them back to work. So Trump was either sucking up to his donors or he thought that, you know, widespread publicity about COVID would cause him to lose the next, lose re-election, which frankly, I think it did. And so, you know, how do we hold him accountable if we can't hold him criminally liable because of the doctrine of sovereign immunity? I think that there are civil ways that we might be able to hold him accountable. But I'm, even at the simplest level, Fred, he's not being held accountable in the court of public opinion. The media is not asking, you know, how do we hold Trump accountable? Why is, why is nobody talking about his accountability? I'm with you, Fred. I think this is a crime against humanity. I think it's terrible. Thank you very much for the call. Zoe in Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, Zoe, what's up? I like listening to this conversation, but i got to say, dude, nobody is ever going to hold Donald Trump accountable for anything that he's done. I mean, we've seen it again and again and again. The sky is blue. The grass is green. He is never going to be held to account in any sort of court, especially not the court of public opinion. We're we're, we're focusing on the wrong thing. I mean, by well, this, you know, Cyrus Vance and Letitia James would would argue with you. I I hope. Look, it's not that I don't. Okay, uh, it's not that I don't hope that he does get um, metaphorically legally nailed to the wall. Um, it's that I know that he's never in his entire life be, be held, held being, ugh, he's never gotten held accountable for anything he's ever done. And it's You're right, which is why he happen. thinks he's immune to everything. I hope it happens. I hope and pray it happens. And, and I think and the, the same is true of his children, by the way. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, that, that crazy rant that Junior, you know, spouted on about saying, you know, that uh, Biden needs to be you know, remove from office immediately because he's an old creeper. I mean, you just, you have to laugh at it if you've got half right. a brain, you know? Yeah, especially after I his mean, dad has over 20 women that. accusing him of rape. Yeah, exactly. And children, I mean, come on. So but we need to put a pin in this one, honestly, because, I mean, there are, there are voters' rights under attack across many states. Um, you know, and these lifting restrictions and drop it, you know, burning the masks and, and upping the spread. I mean, I hope this isn't why these governors did it. But doing that, encouraging the spread of the virus is just going to distract us more from what they're going to be doing to women of voter rights. Yeah. And, and this uh, transition to gangster capitalism, which I'm going to talk yeah. about in the next hour. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it, Zoe. Zoe, I want to get one more call in here before the end of the uh, end of the hour. Thank you for the call. Gary in Naples, Florida. Your thoughts, Gary? Greed has no heart, Gary. Oh, greed has no heart ever. Thank you for, for taking my call. This is my take on it. You're asking this question. I, you're asking a great question. Why is this being allowed in America? No accountability with the governors and people of high power. Uh, Why is the media not even asking this question? 
Right. The media is not even asking. Well, yeah, that's even more alarming. You're exactly right. My my gut feeling is we don't have the culture right now, if you will. There's there's too many bad apples down in the barrel that are souring the rest of the good ones. Slowly but surely, death by a thousand cuts. Of it. I think that's the reason. We don't have the culture right now to give them an incentive. They have to have an incentive, whether it's voting, uh, voting them out. Sometimes voting's not enough. I just don't believe right now. I could be wrong. And secondly, I want to quote FDR, if I may. I think it was his. I also believe. You have 10 seconds. In, I also believe wealth undermines democracy. I think that's exactly what's going on in America. At oh, the yeah. core, wealth yeah. is undermining everything. You know, yeah, the FDR said government by organized money is just as dangerous as government by organized mob. And <laughs> absolutely right. Gary, thank you. Jessica in Chicago. Hey, Jessica, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. Thank you. You were thinking the exact same thoughts as me today. I did a little bit of research online and found out the results from the insurrection shows that COVID hit a record high this last Thursday in the states of Maryland, District of Columbia, and Virginia. And the hospitalizations are up 19% there, too. And I just wanted to say with Texas and Mississippi residents, um, they should not be allowed to travel to other states. There are four different variants of the of the mutated in Texas, and Abbott is going to destroy our ability for a safe vaccine. Abbott is endangering the whole country's life and the ability to control the vaccine so that it works. I agree. So, Jessica, two questions for you. Number one, why do you think he's doing this? And number two, how do we hold him accountable? Well, I have a thing. I think they're all like Nazis. Um, the Republican Party, I, I, don't, I don't know why you would endanger someone's life. They have, they have such a warped sense of mind on the human life. And I forget the second question. Um, how do we hold them accountable? Well, that's just it. We need to. Um, I agree with you 100%. I wish Biden would get tougher. I wish somebody would get tougher. I wish, I wish other states would say, no, we don't. I feel sorry for the people in Texas, though, that have to go through that they're innocent. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that when Biden said this is Neanderthal thinking, that was about the most gentle thing he could have possibly said. What yeah. he should have said is this is murderous thinking. Yeah. These, these, these decisions are going to lead to unnecessary deaths. People are going to lose their, their parents, their children, their, their brothers, their sisters, their aunts, their uncles. They are going to lose their relatives. They're going to lose their best friends. They're going to lose their old college buddies and roommates or, or high school. Um, you know, people are going to lose you know, companies are going to lose their employees because of these decisions that are being made. These are killer decisions. This is murder. This is negligent homicide. I don't see the difference between this and driving drunk or, or texting while you're driving and, and ending up hitting and killing somebody like the attorney general of one of these Republican states did, you know, a while ago and then tried to lie about it. I don't see the difference between that, which actually gets prosecuted for negligent homicide or, or manslaughter or third degree murder or whatever it's called in the individual states. I don't see a difference between that 
and what uh, Abbott and, and uh, the governor of Mississippi are doing. I just, I, I fail to see the difference. I, I, I don't get it. It's, it's amazing. Jessica, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. John in Danville, Illinois. Hey, John. Somebody needs to be held accountable for this mass murder and conspiracy. I think uh, Chuck Schumer need to take Mitch, Moscow Mitch McConnell's playbook and take over the Senate like he would do. And I think Trump and all the Republicans need to be held accountable. So my thing is, I think they need to get the uh, armed forces involved and bring every one of them to trial. That's what I'm thinking, Mm. because I think it's mass genocide on the American people. And I one more thing. I believe you need uh, Jamie Harrison. Uh, from the Democratic Party to buy up these broadcasting stations. Uh, I've been keeping up mm-hmm. with that, and I think that's very important. Yeah, I'm not sure the Democratic Party has the resources or if they could even legally do that. I, I, I don't know, but Jamie Harrison's a good man, and he is the head of the DNC right now. In fact, you know, we used to have Tom Perez on all the time when he was the head of the DNC. We should probably try to get Jamie Harrison back on or get him on. I'm not sure if he's ever even been on the program, um, but he's a good man and he's doing some good work. Um, John, excellent suggestions. Excellent suggestions all. Thank you very much for the call and thanks for sharing that with us. I, I agree with you, by the way. We need to hold somebody accountable for half a million dead Americans. Bill in Omak, Washington. Hey, Bill, what's on your mind today? You want to talk about Proxmire? I was in graduate school uh, the last five years that he was in office. And, yeah, mm-hmm. he did come down on the military a couple of times. And he, did, he even came down on the Senate one time. But what he really came down on was basic scientific research, uh, research oh, really? that was done simply to learn uh, about what our world is all about. He wasn't alone, but he certainly was in the vanguard of changing scientific research from learning for the sake of learning to learning to enhance corporate profits. And as I finished up my time in school, we went from being funded by the NSF to being funded by DuPont, being funded by uh, Dow. Uh, and what I learned, and it's the reason I got out, was that I was going to be basically on what's called soft money, meaning I would only get paid if I got a grant. And I might get my first grant, but if I didn't give the funder of that grant, the information that they wanted, I was going to get put on a list and they would look at my grant proposals in the future and say, oh gosh, that looks really good. And if we could just, if you just had a few more points, we'd fund you, but try again next year. Uh, so I left mm-hmm. and a lot of scientists and a lot of really qual- really qualified, really talented people got out because that's not how they wanted to live their lives. And that's not what they went into science for. So yeah, Proxmire, yeah. Democrat from Wisconsin, did a lot of harm. I'm sorry to hear that. Bill. I, you know, I, yeah. I, I mean, I was I was alive at the time and I was sort of paying attention to politics, but I wasn't, you know, that granular. I just remember the Golden Fleece Award, you know, which was just a great, great little mnemonic device. But anyhow, well, you, thank you. you. Thank you, Bill. Quick, one quick example, if you sure. want. OK, yeah. there was a fellow who was studying bacteria in the Yellowstone geyser systems because, you know, being able to survive in that kind of an environment was pretty freaking amazing. And he was studying it simply for the sake of trying to figure out how that bacteria did it. 
Well, while he was studying it, it was discovered that there was an enzyme system that that bacteria uh, contained that led to the development of the PCR technology, which allows you to take a very, very small amount of DNA and replicate it into, you know, tens of thousands of pieces of DNA, which is it is it actually probably had a lot to do with how we came up with this uh, uh, mRNA vaccine. Uh, and, right. and it was not done for any commercial benefit. It was done because the guy really wanted to figure out how those bacteria survived. And that's how a lot of science happens. You can't direct it. Oh, you yeah. go out there, you study stuff, and you discover, wow, look at that cool thing that organism does. And then you discover that it has amazing uh, properties and benefits for uh, people as well. So, yeah, Proximire, not so, not so good. <laughs> the research that you guys were doing was originally funded by the National Science Foundation. That's, you know, the federal exactly. grant money. Yep. And, and that got replaced by these big corporations. What a yep. story. What a story. Bill, thanks for sharing that with us. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to us on Progressive Voices. And, and, uh, and thanks for telling the story. Pure science is something that we used to hold it really in a, as a high value. And now, outside of stuff that has to do with outer space, not so much. And it's, it's very, very unfortunate. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tim in uh, Aloha, Oregon. Hey, Tim, what's up? Yeah, you know, there's a pretty simple answer to this stuff. You know, you're talking about how ridiculous it sounds or, or Trump is being held accountable and, the, and the, the attackers and stuff because disaster sells. Tom, I was in sales and marketing for 35 years. It's all about demographics and market share. If Rachel Maddow came on tonight and said, everything's fine, green technology, women's reproductive rights, that's the news, and she's off. You see what I mean? It isn't going to work that mm-hmm. way. They can spend an hour just on one subject, and the more, the more outrageous stuff they come up with, the more viewers they get, and then the sponsors call and say, hey, we see what your, 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 uh, your numbers are, and let's, let's uh, sell you some more products. So every big disaster that comes on, they get a bigger paycheck. That's how the the world works. So are you suggesting that that the reason why Trump and these Republican governors let the virus rage is because 
it helps the news business or are you arguing that that's well, why that, that's you've got that, news that's outlets that are doing cancel culture that they're basically creating their own disaster to get hysterical about it's a combination of both that's the end result you know what basically what what uh, trump did is that when he initially uh, tried to ignore it he didn't want the want the uh, stock market to go down and then uh, right. then all hell broke and he said as much yeah, and he said as much, you know. Every time that guy opened his mouth, he was either indirectly or directly killing people, you know. And now he's at Mar-a-Lago playing golf every day, you see. I mean, if, if there isn't anything more outrageous than that, who, you know, what can you come up with, you know. And then this whole thing about the uh, Republicans, whether it's the congressional or senator, this, what they're talking about the, behind the scenes, how they've been complicit in getting those guys at the, uh, there's no doubt that there's, they probably even uncovered half the stuff they're going to in terms of who's guilty of that insurrection, you know, directly involved with the government. And I think what they what they should do symbolically is just take every Republican that was on his side and himself and send the bill that the taxpayers are paying for that additional security in Washington. <laughs> send them a bill for that, yeah. you know. That's hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars, you see what I mean? Where's that? Well, they've, that? I mean, you've got there's over 20 cities right now that are that are still suing the Trump campaign for security that Trump right. has refused to pay for. I mean, you know, El Paso is probably the most famous because their mayor is outspoken. But there's a bunch of cities that he stiffed, and it, and it adds up to tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing was, the only reason he wanted to be reelected was three variables. One, to keep his head financially above water. Two, to stay out of jail. And three, he, he probably, when he got in, he probably would have wanted to overturn the 22nd Amendment so he could have been the, become the American Putin. That's, you know that yeah. was in his brain, you know. Cause that's, that's no, I agree with all of those things. Of. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> right, and, um, and, and he's trying to continue it. I mean, did you see that he just oh, sent yeah. a cease and desist letter to the RNC saying, don't right. use my image anymore for fundraising? I'm the only one who can raise money off my picture? Right. Well, he's, what, he's going to be approaching $300 million pretty soon. What do you think he's doing with that money? You know? <laughs> right. That's going well, that's what we know of. Yeah, that's what we know of. I mean, he's raising money right now for a super PAC. Super PACs don't have to report. <laughs> It's and there's, so, no, there's no way he's going to run for president again. That's a bunch. That's that that, that isn't going to happen. You know. All no, he's but he's going to keep is, running the scam. Oh, absolutely, because that's how he keeps his head above financially above water. And then Deutsche Bank and then the Saudis and the rest of them. You know, well, he's going to say. And you know what? I what's really scary about this? Some of the stuff, the the classified information that he knows, he probably he's probably going to utilize that behind the scenes. In order to uh, he can sell it. Bucks, but yeah. If he hasn't already given it to a few other foreign right. dictators, he, he can certainly sell it. Tim, thank you for the call. I mentioned how right-wing media from the writing newsletter, right-wing media is going after Meghan Markle now as, oh, she's a left-winger, therefore, you know, bloody... I mean, it's just, it, this is crazy stuff. The racism and misogyny that is on display is absolutely breathtaking. How the right-wing media is dealing with this so-called cancel culture and all these culture wars that, in my opinion, are attempts to distract us from their real agenda, which is robbing the middle class blind and making rich people richer. The real experts on this over at MediaMatters.org, I mean, they track Fox News and other right-wing media like nobody's business. And Parker Malloy is the editor-at-large over at Media Matters. Parker is on the line with us. What's the latest on the Dr. Seuss, Mr. Potato Head? What, what's going on over there? We are entering, uh, what is it, week three now of uh, pretty much wall-to-wall cancel culture coverage. It's been interesting. This morning there were, there were stories about 
Peppy Le Pew, the dunk from Looney Tunes being canceled, and Speedy Gonzalez. It's a whole, they could devote a channel to it. It could be Fox News, Fox Business, and Fox Cancel Culture at this point. Wow. Um, but last, now, week, now, last, week, last week was the Dr. Seuss extravaganza, essentially. Here's what baffles me. Every single Republican in the House and Senate just voted to cancel the minimum wage, to cancel an increase in our unemployment benefits, to cancel a $1,400 check, to cancel aid to states so that they can keep schools and fire departments and police departments going, to cancel, it's like, there's real canceling going on, being done by Republicans. Uh, Greg Abbott canceled the mask mandate, as did uh, Reeves, I guess his name is, in Mississippi, the governor there. Are those real cancellations and real efforts to stop any kind of forward movement in America that are being done by the Republican Party? Is that why Fox News and other right-wing media, it's all over right-wing hate radio as well, are so hysterical about this stuff? Why they're promoting this cancel culture thing? Well, one thing I wrote about in my recent piece over at Media Matters is the fact that things seem to be going well for Joe Biden and his agenda so far. And I have a feeling that if COVID cases were on the rise, if the vaccine rollout wasn't going well, if the relief bill was struggling to make its way through Congress, I feel like they would be devoting more coverage to that. But that hasn't really been the case. So they're really reaching back into this I mean, when in doubt, create a moral panic. And that's what the whole cancel culture kind of... Uh, this is just reinvention of, of the war on really Christmas, is. isn't it? Now Bill O'Reilly's go-to yeah, thing for a yeah. decade? Exactly. War on Christmas, political correctness, call-out culture, cancel culture. It's all the same thing. It's all yeah. this phony outrage over over nothing. And, you know, I recently wrote about, you know, all of the different ways that, you know, people on the right have done exactly the thing that they're complaining about. I mean, you could go through ABC, Acorn, The Beatles, Campbell's Soup. It's just there have been protests of all sorts of things for not sticking close to the conservative point of view when it comes to cultural issues. And I think that that's what's interesting and, and kind of scary is the fact that they are really going all in on culture war issues. I was looking at the front pages of The Federalist, The uh, National Review, Daily Caller, Daily Wire, all the dailies. Looking at those, and there wasn't really much talk about the stimulus bill. And you would think that ordinarily Republicans would be yelling, $1.9 trillion, what about the budget? What about the deficit? That would have been the right-wing talking point. But they're just not covering these things at all. Or when they are, they're trying to, again, tie it back into cultural issues. They don't want funds to go to people in prison. And they're fear-mongering over people who are undocumented getting payments when that's just not the case in the bill. I think it's telling about where the conservative movement's kind of headed, and it's not one of serious governance. It does seem to be more, you know, stoking moral panic and trying to convince people that their way of life is being driven from public, where every day something that you love can be taken away by someone on the left who just decides it's not good anymore. And we saw that with the Dr. Seuss stuff. They covered it nonstop for the whole week. And for the most part, when they were talking about this, because the uh, Dr. Seuss Enterprises, who owns the rights to all the 
Dr. Seuss books, decided to stop printing six of the books, the six of the lesser known books. And when Fox was covering this, they were covering it as though the main issue was that they were trying to drive Dr. Seuss out of public life, showing pictures of a cat in a hat and books that were not being removed. And they tried to tie this into Joe Biden not mentioning Dr. Seuss and his Read Across America proclamation when Donald Trump didn't issue a Read Across America proclamation in 2017. So it, they acted like the, it was this big sacred tradition to call out Dr. Seuss in a positive way when Trump himself didn't do Parker. it in the first year in office. I saw this study that Lauren Boebert, the newbie Republican congresswoman from Colorado, who basically just talks about guns and shows pictures of guns, is actually rising in popularity among her base because of that. It seems to me that this idea that somebody wants to take away your way of life might be a hell of a lot more potent than somebody wants to take away your $300 stimulus check. Is it possible or even probable that the GOP is onto something here and that this is how they're going to win elections, that this is this generation's version of the old Willie Horton ads? Well, I mean, it's entirely possible that in North Carolina, Madison Cawthorn, he had some sort of statement where he was saying that his staff is focused on communication, not legislation. And I think that that was, that was a really interesting way to kind of, kind of look at things. It's something that I think that people... So if that's the case, how do Democrats respond to that? Should, I don't know the specific answer, but I think that you just have to call out how ridiculous it is. Say they are focused on this, we are focused on, on these things that will materially help your lives. And that, I think, is right. a, has to be a focus of the progressive left. Yeah. It seems also that at some point it should be pointed out that it was a family foundation that decided to take out the Seuss books. And that decision was made last year when Trump was president. Well, anyway, I, you know, it's just like they're also lying. Parker Malloy over yeah. at MediaMatters.org. Check it out. Thank you, Parker. This is the Tom yeah, Hartman me. Program. It's great talking with you, Parker. Thanks so much for dropping by. And we yeah, love Media Matters. Keep up the great work. Thank you. David in Monterey, California. Hey, David, what's on your mind today? Yeah, I want to talk about accountability. You're talking a lot about that, but uh, the one thing that you haven't mentioned is that in recent days, what happens is is that somebody somebody's caught doing something. They look at somebody else and say, "Look at that guy." It's like like the virus. The virus went out of hand here in, in America. Trump mm-hmm. sit down there and started talking China virus, China virus, or Texas, where people were freezing to death, and suddenly they started talking about immigration and about how they're letting all these immigrants in with the virus. And now they took away the, um, the you know, the, the safeguards against that virus there in Texas and other states. And uh, the number of deaths that happened during Trump is, you know, Right now, we have a virus that can mutate, and if it mutates into something that uh, that the, the 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 vaccine can't stop, or it mutates into something more deadly, they're going to be pointing at Biden, saying, "Look at his response! Look at his!" Re-. But instead of taking accountability for something, we we seem to be in America blaming every they. I'll, I'll talk about something Trump did. They'll say, look, look at this guy over here or look at this over here. They'll look at the virus, immigration, Dr. Zeus. It, 
I think we're getting insane in this country. <laughs> we're not going about facts or about uh, about evidence, but we're, we're we wanting to blame everybody else or look at them, not me. David, it's all about distraction. I really do. Yeah. I think this whole this whole uh, culture thing, the, the culture, the culture wars have always been about distraction. You know, the, the pointy headed liberals that they used to talk about back in the 80s and 90s. And then it became, you know, gay people and then it became trans people. And, and you know, and now I mean, it's just they've got always got a new outrage. And, you know, and immigrants were, you know, one of the big ones for a while. And, you know, there are policy solutions to all these things. I mean, if you're hysterical about people coming into this country without documentation, all you have to do is undo Reagan's action and, and make it, you know, start prosecuting employers who hire people who are, you know, here illegally. There are ways to deal with all of these issues. And, and it, just, it just blows my mind that, you know, th these guys don't want to deal with any of them. They just want to talk about, oh, my God, cancel culture. Well, immigration makes us a richer country. It just makes us a richer country. I agree. But, uh, I absolutely yeah. agree. But that but, said, you know, you know, it needs uh, to be done properly and appropriately and step by step. And Biden is kind of open the, opening that back up to, you know, Trump just closed the door, which is crazy. Yeah. But, you know, the, the excuse that Trump is using is, oh, my God, they're going to take your jobs. Although he talked a lot about disease and, you know, all these kind of codes for, for race, basically. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if you're concerned about people taking your jobs, then make it so that employers go to jail if they hire somebody who's not an American citizen. That's how it works in pretty much every other advanced democracy in the world. Like you're always pointing to everybody else or, or, or other problems to get away. Well, that was my problems. point about distraction. Yeah, yeah, distraction. yeah, I, yeah I'm with you. I'm with you. Thank David, you. I got to run. But thank you for the call. Yeah, I, you know, I think you said it very well. Dee in uh, New Bern, North Carolina. Hey, Dee, what's on your mind? I think that Donald Trump and his cohort should be tried for all the crimes, the emoluments, genocide of persons of color to increase the possibility that they can win because they've killed off part of the competition. This goes back to April 7th. That's the magic day. In the month prior to April 7th, Jared Kushner and his merry band and Mike Pence in the White House were actually, they had the post office getting ready to send, you know, masks to everybody in America and all this kind of stuff. And then the news came out on April 7th that more black people were dying than white people and most of the deaths from COVID were happening in blue states. And all of a sudden, the right-wing media and the Trump administration in one week did a complete 180. All, you know, oh, well, we're not going to do anything about this anymore. That's how bad it is. So I don't think genocide is an inappropriate word. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It begins with you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 